Hi, I'm George Norrie, and welcome to the new iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. Like us on Facebook, tell your friends, and share us with everyone. This is an exciting new network that will feature podcasts of the paranormal, supernatural, and the unexplained. Now please sit back and enjoy Dark Becomes Light with Heidi Hollis. Welcome to our podcast. Please be aware the thoughts and opinions expressed by the host are their thoughts and opinions only and do not reflect those of iHeartMedia, iHeartRadio, Coast to Coast AM, employees of Premier Networks, or their sponsors and associates. We would like to encourage you to do your own research and discover the subject matter for yourself. listening to Dark Becomes Light with me, Heidi Hollis, on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. (laughs) Welcome to my show. Remember, each week this is the place you go to when you want to learn about what's happening out in the world of the paranormal, ufology, cryptozoology, and all of the above How else are we going to learn about these things unless we are sharing among ourselves and putting it out on the air? So I welcome you, the listener, to go to my main website, which is shadowfolks.com or heidihollis.com. A lot of people spell the name wrong, so I give them both. Uh, And tell me in as much detail as you'd like about what's happening. And you're always welcome to come on this program to share what it is that you're experiencing directly. But I find a lot of people really do tend to express themselves differently and feel more comfortable sending it in an email and just allowing me to read it, which I I appreciate. That's that all works just as fine, too. So I am wanting to get this this whole conversation to a level where we just talk about it like we would talk about the weather. I Not in a weird, airy voice or using fluffy words or putting a flashlight under our chin, whatever it is. As long as we are on the level and uh, putting it out there, that's what matters. That's what matters. And um, in fact, today, in this first segment, I'm going to start sharing about a couple of things that I've experienced that I don't generally talk about because it's kind of different and kind of out there. But it runs perfectly into the topic that we're going to be discussing today with Dr. Michael Masters, who, uh, wow, his research and his writings are really mind-blowing, and uh, I think you're going to really enjoy it. So what I'm going to talk about in this first segment before I introduce him is the topic of time travel, or whatever it is that we might call as a remnant or residual haunting Because I have personally witnessed several things that, I mean, all I could say is that it's it's a part of the past, but it's also uh, evidence of that that this world is not what it appears to be when it comes to um, the way that time moves. Because I, I think somehow, for some reason, there's different vibrations that can pull back impressions from the past and and have it interact with us even. I mean, what a thought. What a thought. 
Because I know, I personally saw something that was uh, out of time, just absolutely out of time, out of space too. Like, uh, it just didn't make any sense. So in this, this, this scenario, this happened while I was in college. And uh, I was literally studying with a, a fellow student sitting on my couch in my living room. And my friend is leaning over looking at the book. And I'm reading something that it said. And, and I, I caught something straight ahead in, in my periphery. Like, I, I don't know, I just saw a movement. And I look up, and where I was sitting, I could look clear into the kitchen, right? Straight shot. And through the closed door that went to the outside, this man appeared. And he was in a suit. And he had a tie. And he had a briefcase in his hand. And he was hoofing it, like, moving super fast. Like, like he looked like he was downtown in Chicago, rushing to work or something. And his arm is swinging. He's got the briefcase. His tie is flapping over his shoulder. And it's almost like it's a windy day. And he's kind of like putting his head down to go up against the wind. And he's coming right for me. And I've just, I didn't know how to react except to Ah! And I th- threw the, the, the book in the air, jumped out of the way. My friend freaked out, didn't know what I was reacting to. And I just like, you know, like a like a, a moving train was going to hit me. And I just shoo, jumped out of, as fast as I could. But he still kind of passed through me. And I was just grabbing my chest like, oh, oh, you know, my friend's like, what, what, what? You know, looking around, I'm like, you don't see that guy that just ran right through me. I mean, he just came through the wall and my friend was like, what? You know, she knew I experienced odd things. Um, and I, but that was a first, like just, I mean, it just didn't make sense. I, I wasn't close even to a, a busy street to have a guy like this. Uh, there's no history that I could find uh, the location that I was at that there would be a guy that was in a rush to get to his next meeting or something. It was out of sorts of in every level that you can imagine. I can't even describe to you why it happened as it happened. I, I just, I don't know. So that was one. Um, was that a residual haunting? I, I don't think it was even a haunting. It was an action that was going on. He seemed very uh, well-dressed for the time. Like it was an active time thing that was going on right then, but it was just not where I was. It was... uh I don't know. I don't know. But, and, uh, I have no, I have no answers for that one. I I, I don't know. I don't know. And then I had another situation and, uh, so it's kind of funny too. I had just pulled up to go to a UFO conference and my friend that I drove down there with had never been to such a thing. And the conference was being held at the connecting hotel. So me and my friend were meeting several other people there that I knew And I pull up to the hotel and it's just like, wow, we made it. You know, this is so cool. You know, it's like, you're going to really enjoy this. And my friend's like, okay, whatever. And where I parked, like, um, how can I say? So my car is facing the, one of the roads that go in front of the hotel. And there were, I don't know, maybe 
30 trees that were scattered in this little small little lot before you got to that main road right but I could see clearly through the trees it wasn't crowded or anything and when I looked up I saw this blonde lady in a blue track suit do you know a track suit <laughs> that has literally white stripes along the leg that go up the uh the sleeves and it was kind of open and she had a, a long blonde hair and a ponytail pulled back and she's coming right at me but she's going through the trees and i looked up and she was moving swiftly and she was almost like doing one of those uh, like she was jogging kind of thing like she looked like she was doing a light jog but she was moving quickly. I got chills even thinking about it. Um, and just all I could do was to scream, <laughs> throw my keys, jump out of the car. <laughs> my, my poor friend, very much like the prior one, screamed and jumped out of the car with me, screaming, what, what, what? And I'm like, oh, I'm like and, and the lady went right through me in the car, too. I couldn't move fast enough. I mean, I just like I couldn't decipher fast enough. Like, is that a lady? Is that lady coming through? Is that lady? She's going through the trees. She's going to hit me. And though I'm parked, all I could do was jump out of the car. And I, I was like, this hadn't happened to me since the guy that had done it. I'm like, what on earth? What on earth? And all I could think of, uh, something must have happened here on this road, you know? So I meet up with my friends at the conference and we're like, oh, you know, catching up and all this stuff. And they're like, oh, how have things been? Have you experienced anything weird? I'm like, well, yeah, when I pulled up and I described what I saw. Do you know, out of the two friends I was sitting there talking to that I met there, they said, oh, me too. I saw that lady too. I'm like, come on now. Where'd you see her? And I was like, I, anyway, did this lady like get hit by a car here on this road? I mean, is this her ghost? And they're like, no, Heidi, I was out of state. I was over here what? And then they said, in fact, this other lady is not here in the, in the conference right now. She described the same lady. I'm like, come on. What is this? What is this a, a trigger? You know, what, what is this? I'm like, are you serious? And, and it was just like one of those things. And we're contemplating and how can three people experience the exact same lady in the exact same tracksuit? Just made no sense. It was out of time. It was out of space. It, it just, it didn't make any sense. And it's like, no. And one of the friends there is like, nobody's ever died on this part of the road that was jogging that looked like this. No. You know, like that got verified for me. And I just, I don't know. So it brings the question of, uh, you know, what is time? How, how can this be? Something something can manipulate it. And I, I never say I'm a psychic or whatever. And people are like, well, you must be. You're experiencing these things. Well, I think a lot of us are able to experience a lot of things. Um, and I know I try to like downplay it, you know, like, oh, it's not me, you know. Um, but yeah, I do experience a lot of things that I, I'm now acknowledging are really far out. Um, and I'm luckily, I'm not shy to talk about it because I'm like, what do I got to lose? Somebody's going to laugh at me. Uh, oh, well, <laughs> um, should see how I fall on ice. That's hilarious. But this is yeah. But um, but so, yeah, time is really something that we need to think about. And uh, I, I just um, I don't quite understand it. And um, yeah, 
it's I wish that we could get a better grasp on it. And I, I'm really confident that uh, the powers that be, other people, scientists and whatnot, that they have delved into these topics and have found answers. And uh, they're not always sharing what's going on. Because if I've experienced this, I'm one person. And over all these uh, years, you're going to tell me that others didn't talk about it and didn't pique the interests of different scientists? Oh, oh I, I think so. I think so. And I, I wish that they would talk because it's too important not to share. And uh, so I'm hopeful that we'll get to some answers someday because we all do deserve to better understand our world that we're surrounded with. So I wanted to, um, again, let you know that uh, my guest that's going to be coming up next is going to wow you and get you closer to the edge of that reality of what time may actually consist of. And uh how we're able to reflect on it even in the face of alien beings how about that wow well so stick around because you guys you are listening to dark becomes light with me heidi hollis on the iHeartRadio and coast to coast am paranormal podcast network we'll be right back We're happy to let you know that our Coast to Coast AM official YouTube channel has now reached 300,000 subscribers. You can listen to the first hour of recent and past shows all for free. So head on over to coasttocoastam.com and hit the YouTube icon at the top of the page. This is free show audio, so don't wait. coasttocoastam.com is where you want to be. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on do not disturb, tuning out all the constant just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. Welcome back. You are listening to Dark Becomes Light with me, Heidi Hollis, on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. 
My guest today is Dr. Michael P. Masters, who is a professor of biological anthropology at Montana Tech in Butte, Montana. He received his PhD in anthropology from Ohio State University, where he specialized in human evolutionary anatomy, archaeology, and biomedicine. In 2019, he published Identified Flying Objects, a Multidisciplinary Scientific Approach to the UFO Phenomena, which cautiously examines the premise that UFOs and aliens may be distant human descendants returning from the future to study their own evolutionary past. So I'd like to welcome Dr. Michael P. Masters. How are you doing today? I'm doing really well. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, you know, it, it was really uh, special to get to hang out with you at the UFO Fest uh, a couple of weeks ago. I mean, what a what a ride. <laughs> yeah, it was a fun weekend. Um, it was it was great. Uh, yeah, hanging out with you and, and all the other speakers and hosts and obviously the attendees. And it's a yeah. fun event. It really was. I I had not heard of it before, and it's like the most beautiful location. So I, I feel like I've been missing out all these years, but I feel I made up for it just now. So I, I, I'm, I feel fortunate. But your presentation and the work that you've been doing is rather unique. Now, over the years, I've been involved in the UFO scene for a very long time, and I've sat in many conversations and groups and conferences where experiencers would say some of the aliens would tell them they're from the future. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm like, well, what? Well, that's a twist, you know, but I don't, I didn't hear it a ton, but your information kind of goes along those lines. Can you explain to us a, a bit about uh, what you're concluding? Right. Well, I started from sort of a, an abductive line of reasoning looking at all of the available evidence which is minimal obviously in this field but um yeah the fact that so many reported beings that were essentially human in all of these different ways uh having the same characteristics of not just humans but mammals and uh really all life forms on this planet that have four limbs five digits on each limb tetrapods pentadactyly but then yeah the fact that they're upright walking in every case uh have bilateral symmetry two big eyes big head small face it just seemed like all of the things that if if we continue our evolution forward we would have those characteristics so i, I sort of started from that point of view uh in my first book identified flying objects and then this next book, which I'm hoping to finish up over the next four to six months, uh, looks more at these contactee experiences, like you mentioned. And um, yeah, a lot of them do actually say that they've had conversations and the, the visitors say, we are you, we're from the future. So um, I think if we can take those seriously, not just those, but all of the different reports of close encounters and especially contactee and abductee experiences, then we could potentially learn not just a lot about this phenomenon, but potentially something about our evolutionary future as well. And the, the cool part is, you know, it's one thing to hear these beings speak like this. And I'm, I'm not one of those people that just uh, takes what these beings are saying, because I think they could be flawed just like humans and just make things up as they go along. Um, <laughs> Definitely. But it's like to have your background and to take a, a closer look at what these beings are proposing and to back it up. I think that was the element that really made a lot of people pause and go, 
and see the possibilities with it all. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I try to take, obviously, you know, what I just described with the cranial facial features, uh, a more uh, anthropological approach, but I also tried to bring in current knowledge from the fields of astrobiology and astronomy, especially in the context of the extraterrestrial hypothesis and physics. What What's the physics of time? How do we understand time as this emergent phenomenon and the potential for backward time travel? So it really is an interdisciplinary, multidisciplinary approach that focuses primarily on anthropology and long-term trends and hominin evolution, not just in our biology, but also our culture. Um, and then, yeah, it tries to weave together an argument based around current information from these other fields. So it's, uh, it's, it's a scientific book, but it's, I try to make it readable to everyone, regardless of their, their background or experience with the scientific uh, method and, and other ways of understanding these things. Yeah. So I know that uh, one of your specialty are the eyes. Uh, can you explain how that, uh, how you came to those uh, roundabout conclusions? Because I, I just, I, I found that to be uh, like the shape of the head and, and how that all came to be. Right. Well, it, it worked out pretty well because um I've always been interested in this question and, and this idea that they could be time travelers specifically. So when I started working as a graduate student at Ohio State, I had to choose a thesis project. And it just so happened that the advisor I picked to work with when we were going over potential subjects, he was like, you know, what about the eye orbits? Nobody really talks about that. We talk about how the brain's gotten bigger and our neurocranium has expanded and our face is retracted, but the, the eye orbit are right in between what happens with those and i just started laughing uh and, and he was like why are you laughing and i couldn't tell him you know because i, I think we'll eventually be time traveling aliens and i, I got kicked out of grad school right there and then um <laughs> but i was laughing because i that that's a big part of this whole question is those large eyes that they're always described as having in this deep consciousness and empathy that you can see through these windows to the soul, essentially. So I was really excited for that project and and started working on that and realized we might be able to understand some biomedical issues related to juvenile onset myopia and astigmatism and corneal detachments and macular degeneration and some others that may be the result of our eyes growing too large in association with our brains growing larger within the confines of this orbit that's being restricted uh, both on top and bottom, superiorly and inferiorly, because our brains have been getting bigger and our faces have been getting smaller. So there's a lot of little subtle, subtle things about our anatomical evolution and modern day things that are involved in these different regions of not just our, our skull, but our, our postcranial morphology too. That if we look at them in the context of long-term evolution and the potential future evolution of our species really do uh, dovetail into a commonly reported in, in instances of close encounters. That's amazing. Have you had the chance to examine like uh Lloyd Pye's star child skull and uh, give any thoughts on some of these stranger skulls that have been found or reported elsewhere? Um, I'd, I'd like to examine more. I, um, I know of a couple. There was one, 
I did some research at the the Musée de Lhomme in Paris, the, where they have a huge collection of modern and, and fossil hominins. And there was one skull there. There was a, a picture of it when I was doing my research, and it said missing. Uh, the skull disappeared on this day and that day. And I was looking at it like, wow, that's really, it's got a really interesting shape to it. And uh, I, that's one I would have liked to have looked at. I, I have examined uh, Lloyd Pye's content in the Star Child Project. And there's there's some manipulation of the narrative with regard to that particular skull, just based on how they present information related to it. And it, it, I don't know, I, I find it misleading. So it's been hard for me to take it seriously, but if I could do my own analysis of it, I think I could uh, really determine whether or not it, it is something anomalous or possibly something more conventional, like uh, any any of the number of en- encephalizing diseases, disorders, uh, things like when the brain sutures close too early, that tends to modify everything in that region. So mm. but without without holding it in my hand and being able to do a craniometric analysis or take CT or MRIs on it, uh, it's, it's hard to say for sure. But that, that's a big part of a, a future project I have in the works is to travel around and look at some of these and determine how anomalous they may be. Oh, that's amazing. Would you believe... I had the opportunity as soon as uh, Lloyd Pye had uh, come across the skull, uh, the the female skull that was found alongside of this uh, abnormal uh, skull of what they suspected was a child. I, he was afraid that he would get shut down or or it would be taken away from him. So he started doing a tour uh, to different conferences and, and a conference that I helped to put on over in the Midwest Um he was allowing everybody to line up and to feel the difference and mm. uh, between each skull. And wow, it was so lightweight. Um, it was, I, I don't recall seeing a hole for the occipital nerve to go through um, the orbit. And it, it just so very different. I mean, I don't know. I mean, but like you said, you're saying like, you know, was it uh, something that could have happened uh because of any variety of disorders um congenital malformations uh but it sure was different i mean what what are your thoughts are there people that are actually born without uh the 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 hole for your occipital nerve to pass through well not that i'm aware of but you can have all kinds of discrete anomalies like that um if if they were blind uh, that may be a part of their blindness if there wasn't a connection between the eye and the brain. I, I do know that there was a, a genetic analysis done and it did come back as entirely human, which uh, as far as the extraterrestrial hypothesis goes, it kind of rules that out. Uh, it still could be the product of time travelers or possibly a hybrid between future and modern or past humans. But mm-hmm. um, I, I, I try not to to get too deep into the weeds on those. I, yeah. I think they're interesting and I certainly acknowledge that they deserve more study. But until I can study them or I see an academic paper that yeah. really delves deep into the genetics or the craniofacial form, then it's it's hard for me to comment with, I, with too much I hear you. insight. Well, yeah, no, I hear you. Well, we're going to pick up the conversation after the break. You guys, you are listening to Dark Becomes Light with me, Heidi Hollis, on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. Stick around.
Hey folks, it's easier than ever to become a Coast to Coast AM Insider and have access to past shows, the Art Bell Vault with classic audio and interviews, and so much more. And you can listen to the show live or on demand with your computer or cell phone, and the audio streams are high quality and crystal clear. It's easy to become an insider. Just head on over to coasttocoastam.com, the website, and you'll find all the info right there. That's coasttocoastam.com, coasttocoastam.com. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your your perfect home sweet home. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on do not disturb, tuning out all the constant the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. Welcome back. You are listening to Dark Becomes Light with me, Heidi Hollis, on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. And my guest today is Michael P. Masters. He is amazing with the research that he's done. And uh, wow, my mind is being blown because it's one thing to speculate on what aliens might be and where they come from, but to have this understanding and interest as you do, uh, it just kind of brings it forward for uh, everybody to understand the possibilities. And you mentioned time travel that, that these alien beings may be from our future. So that brings into question and the reality of time travel. How do you explain that? Well, it's, it's mostly from published research in the field of physics. Um, we, we don't really deal with time and time travel too much as anthropologists. We, we talk about different cultures and the way they perceive time or, or don't perceive time. There's a lot of societies that have no word for time and their, their verb tenses don't reflect any sort of perception of the future. Even if they do perceive it, they don't speak about it. Um, but really just, I started out in physics and astronomy as an undergraduate and thought I would kind of take that route. And I'm glad I switched because a lot of people are investigating 
uh, backward time travel in the physical sense and some even in the context of the UFO phenomenon like Jack Sarfati and uh, Rich Hoffman, for instance, at the uh, Scientific Coalition of UAP Studies. So uh, coming at it from more of a biological anthropology, human evolution angle, I feel complements the research that a lot of these people are doing. Um, Hal Putoff as well published a paper talking about the manipulation of the space-time metric in order to bend space-time and manipulate it in the vicinity of these craft, which we do also see in a number of reports of close encounters where time moves at different speeds for people as they approach these machines. Um, so I mostly draw from the physics community looking at the, the most conventional explanation of time and how time travel may work. And what what we see is most physicists understand time in the context of block time, where you, from the very beginning of the Big Bang to the end of the universe, all moments exist as this massive four-dimensional block of space-time. So you can move freely within it, and you're not creating any time paradoxes per se. You're just doing the same things you had always done in the past, and any sort of effect, any change had already manifested itself before you left to visit the past. So there isn't the the consistency paradoxes like the grandfather paradox or the boot, bootstrap paradox or any of these other ones that are so often referenced and bastardized, to put it bluntly, in many TV shows and movies. But um, they, they very well maybe just be moving throughout this four-dimensional block of space-time. And I, I think the disc-shaped craft specifically are the machines themselves. I think they are time machines, uh, and possibly the triangular craft are come from a more distant point in the future where they've streamlined the process to some extent. It's hard to say. But, um, yeah, what's interesting is that research into how we might achieve backward time travel consistently focuses on the rotation of a massive or highly energetic ring sphere or disc which is what we see in most of these ufos so if if this is the form that allows us the function of achieving backward time travel we would expect to see that in association with these visitors if they are in fact from the future and uh, it's another one of those things that seems to be consistent with this model fascinating have you now those of us that are interested in these topics we've come across the people who say they are time travelers have you even slightly taken any of that seriously when you've heard these types of stories or looked into it well we people who claim that they themselves are time travelers is that what you mean are people yes. who've been told by yes. contactees that oh yeah I guess all of it sort of falls into the same it does sort of milieu. Um, yeah, I mean, like we talked about a little bit ago, you have to take all of this with a grain of salt. I, I really do think that most contactees, experiencers are genuine. And when you have face-to-face -face contact with them, you look in their eyes, you hear their story, there's really no reason to doubt them. But with that said, there's always people that are going to create a narrative for whatever reason. What I try to focus on is the patterns. And if we see the same thing over and over in all of these different accounts, regardless of individual motives or whether they remember things exactly or don't remember all the details, if we see the same patterns, I think it's important to take those into account. So I, I mostly try to focus on that. 
uh, I've done a couple content analyses of, of reports from large databases like the New Fork database, the MUFON database. So, so I think we can get past some of those issues if we take into account a large enough sample. Uh, Ray Hernandez, who was also a speaker with us at the McMinniman's UFO Festival, sort of takes that same approach where if we have enough people, uh, we can sort of weed out some of those outliers or identify outliers, but get an average experience and, and kind of talk about what most people experienced. And, and yeah, we certainly have to take into account those ones who claim to have interacted with time travelers. Uh, and if we do that, we have to take into account the Betty Hill star map too. We can't just pick and choose what data we want to focus on, but we have to look at all of it objectively and, and try to come up with the most parsimonious explanation for what's happening. Yeah, I definitely have heard a few people that mention being taken on board a craft and shown like the the dinosaur age or uh, futuristic things like they totally went forward and, and backwards. And it's like, but yeah, it's hard to, to imagine um, this being the case because it's not that common that I hear of on board time travel. But um yeah, it's it's just so complicated. I, I have met many of people online and otherwise who say they have personally time traveled, and uh, I I don't know how to process these claims. Um, but you know, I got one for you, Mike, and um, I, I can tell you I have not brought this up ever on any kind of program because it's so different for me. And uh, but I know that I experienced a a, a time travel inc- <laughs> incident that. I have no definition for, I have nothing to pull from to, uh, to relate it to because it's just so wild, but um, mm-hmm. totally went, you know, something happened and then it totally reversed where it didn't happen. Um, and my skin felt tingly. In fact, I wasn't sure I was, it was hard to process time for a few days yeah. and, and to know that I was really here in this time, it, it, it was just the strangest thing. And this just happened in 2019, late 2019. And I, I still, I have no reference. Um, I, d- I don't know who to relate it to, or, you know, it's like, what, how could this have happened? And, and then to have met a, a, an incredible psychic out of nowhere has a casual conversation with me and says, Oh, I see this happen to you. That's neat. And I said, what? How did you see that? You know, so it's so I don't know. I mean, uh, I can't help but to think there's an intelligent design behind certain instances to have something like that happen to a person. It's certainly possible. Um, And I, I think it's important to sort of draw a distinction between physical time and the way we understand it and and what we've sort of been talking about with regard to manipulating space time, creating closed time like curves, visiting the past via these machines that are capable of, of doing so versus our more cognitive perception of time, which is something that I think exists in association with this physical form, the bodies that we have and the way our brain interprets the passage of events, which again, in the context of block time, if everything happens all at once, how do you understand that? How do you move through it as a biological entity? So it's almost like we've evolved to have this 
understanding of time and the passage of events. And, and, and there's something I like to call biorelativity, which is clearly observable too. If you look at a, a barn swallow or really any small bird and the way they interact with their environment versus the way we do, or a, a giant sloth or an elephant, we all seemingly perceive time in different ways and react to our environment in different ways. So yeah, it's possible that there can be little, uh, little skips and uh, all kinds of things that could happen with regard to the way we perceive time. Uh, anybody's ever done acid or ayahuasca or psilocybin can speak to that very, very keenly because it, it really does allow you to perceive uh, the passage of time in very different ways. So, um, yeah, what you experienced and what a lot of other people also uh, have experienced similar to that could be an aspect of our our, our conscious uh, notion of time and the way we experience time um, outside of the physical aspects of time travel like we've been talking about previously. Wow, that's amazing. You know, I, I hear of people um, you know, taking these various uh, um, drugs like ayahuasca and, and whatnot and, and the healing elements of it, taking themselves out of their current time and situation and, and analyzing things differently. So it, it may be something that uh, was a part of our existence that it works so well for so many people. Like I can't help but to think if you have the receptors in your brain for these things that it, it, it was there. It's there for a reason, you know, is it, mm -hmm. is it supposed to be utilized, you know? Yeah. And, and there's been a lot of evidence over many decades, really, it's just now starting to get mainstream scientific attention, but a lot of research into the benefits of psilocybin as a, a drug to treat schizophrenia, anxiety, depression, and a number of other disorders. And you have to wonder if, if a part of that is allowing people this connection to a, a deeper reality, a, a more collective consciousness. And, and time, I think, would certainly be an aspect of that. People who have near-death experiences claim to be able to move throughout really time and space freely. It's almost like this physical form binds us to this particular shared moment of now, the present. But once we escape that and get a, a sense of of what else is out there, uh, whether through drugs or almost dying or anything else that elicits those same experiences, I think it yeah. it, it really can be life-changing for a lot of people. Yeah, and then draws the question of are those who are considered, quote, schizophrenic, actually schizophrenic or are they just able to see better than the next but uh yeah they're tapped in more maybe <laughs> right right so we've got to get to our next break you guys you're listening to dark becomes light with me heidi hollis on the iHeartRadio and coast to coast am paranormal podcast network we'll be right back The internet is an extraordinary resource that links our children to a world of information, experiences, and ideas. It can also expose them to risk. Teach your children the basic safety rules of the virtual world. Our children are everything. Do everything for them. Live Nation presents Concert Week. 
Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant, just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. Welcome back. You are listening to Dark Becomes Light with me, Heidi Hollis, on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM paranormal podcast network and i have michael masters and uh really stimulating conversation i mean a unique perspective and i have a question that kind of it kind of parallels with what you're speaking on and i wonder if you looked into the topic of residual hauntings talk about time travel impressions you know what do you think about that we're like People have witnessed seeing battles going on that are centuries old or uh, walking through a town that they go to walk back through. It doesn't exist. It was an ancient city or uh, hotels that uh, are really old inside and then they leave and come back and it's modern. How do you just how do you explain this kind of thing? Yeah, it's that's an interesting thing that, uh, again, does happen enough and to enough people that I think it's worthy of consideration. If it's just a couple people's anecdotes or, you know, they, they took way too much acid one day uh, it's easier to write those off, but it it is something that seems to happen. It's funny you ask, because I just did an interview for a TV show about this very thing uh, a few weeks ago, maybe a month ago or so. Um, And, and yeah, it was something that, it was specifically about um, this one street, and I think Liverpool maybe, where one individual claims to have walked out of the store and everything jumped back like 110 years or something and then went in to get his wife from that store and everything was back to normal. And um, 
Yeah, I, I don't know. It happens. Uh, I it's something that I was skeptical about for a long time, and still a, until I started to come across more and more of these. And I uh, I was on Whitley Strieber's show a year or two ago, and he described this exact same thing happening to him. And I, I trust him and his accounts. Uh, I, I think he's done a lot for this field, and especially as someone who's really interested in time and space and and understanding the spirit world. So. Um, I started to take it more seriously and, and look at other accounts. And, and to be honest, I, I don't have an explanation for it, but I do think based on what we were talking about earlier with regard to physical time versus more cognitive time, it would tend to be an aspect of the latter, in my opinion, where, where we are able to see not necessarily with our eyes in that physical sense, but but some something else there, some aspect of the spirit world that isn't easily encapsulated into a physical reality. Um, so I, I don't know. It, it's very mysterious to me as well. I don't really have an answer. I don't. I guess maybe nobody does. But right. it's a very interesting thing that seemingly happens to a fair number of people. Yeah, you know, I can't help but to wonder if uh, the smashing of atoms near CERN, if they have more of these types of things going on versus other mm. locations, you know? Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, and who knows? I mean, maybe there's something about that street in Liverpool where there's some electromagnetic fluctuation or it's it gets more gravity waves or who, who knows? Yeah, CERN could be an aspect of it. I, I'm not sure. It'd be interesting to look into those. Yeah, I, I can't help but to uh, speculate that you know, we're we're just out on the fringes of all of this, you know, doing our own little independent studies. I am 100 percent certain that our governments have put a lot of money towards these same questions and speculations because they sure do pay attention and they sure do harass people who report seeing UFOs too much or whatever it may be. So I, I think it'd be kind of neat to, um, you know, try to FOIA something and uh <laughs> If you only knew what to ask for to say, hey, you guys, right. uh, you're looking at this subject because I am. You might get recruited before you know it to work for them, though, if you go too deep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I'm happy not doing that at the moment. <laughs> but um, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. It's, it's It'll be interesting, too, to see once we get to a point where we can know more, because uh, obviously throughout the ages, throughout you know, even the last hundred years, as time goes on, we get more information about what was happening in the past. So if they're looking into these things now, it may be something that's not secret anymore in 50 or 75 years. So uh, it would be cool to, to to see what what's happening now from a future perspective, especially. But I don't I don't know if I'm going to be a, around that long, unfortunately, <laughs> but uh, some someday we'll know. I mean, if they're doing this stuff, someday yeah. we'll know. Yeah, you know, I I wonder who's the one who decides that, oh, we should keep the secret. If You know, it's the filter, the filter that's on yeah. top of these things are like, why limit me and my knowledge, please? You know, is this really going to cause anybody harm to know this? I mean, I I think we should be living in the times of Star Trek already where we just venture and, you know, food pops up out of a miracle box and we don't have to work like this. We could really explore, but I really think part of our society are way advanced and they keep it to themselves. They hoard the technology and the, and the knowledge and, and they just look at it. The rest of us like, you know, being absolutely uh, backwards because they're not allowing us to have the same privileges. 
Yeah, but at the same time, I mean, people are still arguing about whether the Earth's flat or not. So it doesn't <laughs> it doesn't seem like we could all just instantly wrap our heads around things like fluctuations and the space time continuum and backward time travel or and and a lot of it too is obviously developed for the mil- military industrial complex so there's an innate need to have secrecy associated with the development of technologies that you don't also want your enemies to have so to some extent i understand it um but but yeah i mean where would we be right now if they said this crashed in Roswell. Let's all figure it out together and see if we yeah. can learn from this thing and develop new technologies and a new understanding of the the world and of space and time. Where would we be right now? Maybe we'd have Jetsons, flying cars, and teleportation. Who knows? Uh, oh but, gosh, but, yes. yeah. We oh, don't. I... We're we don't <laughs> yet, and seemingly right. we're we're not moving in that direction at any high rate of speed. Oh, they definitely have that technology to have flying cars, because I knew a scientist that created that, and all the governments rejected his uh, invention. So, uh, yeah, they don't want these things out there, and uh, they want it to themselves. They want to keep the same model of everybody being dependent on the certain powers that be, and and it's kind of disgusting. But um, what bothers me most is that people that are uh, witnessing things and knowing things and they're being beat down. Uh, they're being uh, isolated and become depressed. And uh, and they have these encounters with these various beings and or witness certain things. And, and they're just made to be pointed at and laughed at. And uh, I just think we should do better. And I hope research like yours is uh, going to help uh, us get to a clearer and better understanding. Um, yeah, and I think we are doing better. I've already seen a change, um, not just because of scientists, but primarily because of journalists. Uh, Leslie Keen, George Knapp, Ralph Blumenthal, they, they, they've been doing things to draw more attention to the reality of this and to show how conventional it is and how much it happens and on such a broad scale that it becomes harder to ignore. And then you know, even Tom DeLong and and his whole crew trying to get those videos legitimized, which happened last year when the Pentagon confirmed the reality of the the Go Fast Gimbal and Flare videos. That that was a huge step forward. So, but but I agree. As more scientists begin to take this seriously and investigate it in different ways, hopefully we can move toward removing that stigma for contactees and who should also be a part of this conversation. Uh, we should be taking seriously what what people say happened to them and factoring that in as, as eyewitness accounts, sort of evidence in uh, the court of law sort of sense, not the scientific sense, but taking into account what people are saying and considering that in the context of, of everything else we can get our hands on and, and try to understand and then there, there's a lot of distrust out there, though, too, because uh, uh, there's a lot of speculation about certain people not always being as independent as they appear, that they're being paid by uh, different covert uh, government forces. And they're like feeding the narrative. You say this at this pace for this amount of money and this is your contract and don't steer off of the path. So it's hard to trust always. And and I've I've seen and known some of these folks that have steered the narrative and it's it's so so many things to question out there but you know i want you to get the chance to uh, share your uh, the name of your book and where people can reach out to you and uh you know whatever other events that you've got going on well the book that i published in 2019 is called identified flying objects 
a multidisciplinary scientific approach to the UFO phenomenon. And um, yeah, the, the, there's things happening, I guess. I don't really know what to plug right now. <laughs> it kind of <laughs> caught, caught me off guard there. But, <laughs> That's um, all good. <laughs> and there's a new book, I guess. I did mention that briefly uh, called yeah. The Extra Tempestrial Model that takes kind of a deeper dive into this question and focuses more on contact experiences and abductions and other close encounters, which should be out uh, hopefully in early 2022. Um, some possible TV projects in the works and things like Great. that. But I try to keep people updated on my website, which is just michaelpmasters.com. It's sort of uh, the hub where I try to you know, keep up to date with things that are happening. Love it. Well, you know, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show today. This was absolutely fabulous to have this conversation with you. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Thanks for having me on. Wow. We have come to the bottom of another fabulous program. That really, really gets the mind going. Uh, I really appreciate uh, Dr. Masters coming here on the show. And I want to remind you, the listener, to go to my main website, which is shadowfolks.com or heidihollis.com, and send me your stories. Tell me whatever it is that you're experiencing out there. And if you want to give insight or receive insight... And if you've been researching new things and topics and you want to just lend that information out there, you are welcome to do that. You can write me or come on this show and share it directly. I am fully open to anything and everything out of the ordinary, from the good to the bad to the ugly to the physical to the interdimensional, because... This is how we paint the picture. This is how we solve the riddles. So, um, yeah. So I am uh, really anxious to see what comes up next. You have been listening to Dark Becomes Light with me, Heidi Hollis, on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. And we will see you next time. Stay safe, everybody. Goodbye. Well, if you liked this edition of Dark Becomes Light, wait till you hear the next one. You've been listening to the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network.